and you're listening to the Independence News Hour on WBAI Radio in New York. I'm John Tarleton, Editor-in-Chief of the Independent, New York City's radical newspaper, now in its 21st year of publishing. I'm joined today by my indie colleague, uh, Amba Gagarian. Amba, it's great to have you with us. Thanks, John. It's great to be here with you and all our listeners on 99.5 FM and streaming on WBAI.org. Right. And before we turn to our first segment, one more update on the Andrew Brown Jr. story. Uh, This afternoon, the FBI announced it's beginning a uh, civil rights investigation into the police killing of Andrew Brown Jr. So we'll see what uh, comes of that, but a uh, ongoing story that we're continuing to follow. And now uh, for our first segment, it's late April, uh, which for New York City public school students in grades three to eight means it's standardized testing season. Many parents and teachers have long criticized the tests for being unreliable, punitive, and incapable of measuring the real learning that takes place in a classroom. This year, for the first time, the New York City Department of Education is requiring students to opt into taking this battery of tests instead of having to opt out. In an op-ed that recently appeared uh, on independent.org and is also in our May print edition, parent activist and District 38 City Council candidate Alexa Aviles celebrates the move as a good first step while also insisting now let's cancel the tests altogether. Alexa, welcome to WBAI Radio. Hi, John. Thank you so much for the invitation. I'm excited to be here. Great. It's, it's, it's great to have you with us. Uh, can you start by describing your involvement uh, with your children's public schools uh, out there in Sunset Park and also describe why you disagree so strongly with standardized testing of students? Mm. Well, thank you. Um, so my daughters are now 15 and 12. So that means they're in high school and middle school. And uh, my engagement with them and, and certainly the education system started when my oldest daughter entered uh, preschool uh, in, in uh, when she was four. So uh, ever since she was four, I jumped in to get engaged with the school and I became the PTA president, uh, which I did for about 10 years. And that included everything from the traditional one thinks of, you know, bake sales to really engaging and talking about curriculum, class sizes, and all the kind of advocacy issues and family support that that emerges in a school building, right? Because everything kind of shows up uh, if children need food, right? We see it in a school building. If a family needs extra support, it really does manifest um, with children in a school building. So I have just been involved for since, since then. So for a good uh, 10, 12 years now. Um, you know, in terms of the standardized testing, um, you know, it's been a while uh, as we looked more and more at these instruments and really kind of how they became tied to both measuring singularly uh, what children are learning or not and tying them to, you know, teacher performance or how well a school is performing. As, as these tests have become kind of a singular measure, it has demonstrated how what a failed tool it is because there is no single indicator that could actually um, appropriately, right, developmentally appropriately for children, but also even for the school system, show truthfully and honest, honestly 
how a school or a child is performing academically. So it's just it's just totally the wrong instrument for what we need to do for our children and our schools. Yeah, and talk to us a little bit about the impact on the students as they go through this standardized process. Yeah, so, you know, I think, you know, as as you would imagine, right, our schools are filled with all kinds of learners, right, visual learners, audio learners, um, some children who do really amazing on tests, um, it re- really depending on this one instrument really kind of fails many different types of learners. And so I, I think it does everything from send the wrong message to our kids about how, how they learn, how they reflect that learning, how we measure it, how we value it. Um, so it's everything from the wrong message to also how they internalize this practice, right? If they don't do well on this one test, it creates both stress and anxiety. And it tells them things that isn't, isn't quite right. So I think, you know, repeatedly doing this throughout the years um, just sends exactly the wrong message to our children, um, but it does tell them what we value in the system, which is um, sadly not what we should be focused on. And, and can you talk a little bit about uh, how standardized testing has become a big business? Is somebody oh, yeah. benefiting from this? Absolutely. Um, you know, I think one of the things we saw recently um, at the panel for educational policy was the first time, and that's what used to be the school board um, in days before. I guess I can't remember when the transition happened, but um, there was a rejection of the gifted and talented test contract, which was, I believe it was about a $4 million contract. And this is a test for four-year-olds to determine if they're going to be placed in this advanced track. This is only one of many, many tests, right? These contracts are multi-million dollar contracts. There are whole sectors of organizations, business entities that are set up around teaching children how to take a test, how to perform well. And it it starts from, you know, third grade all the way through college, right? So this is a massive industry um, that we're talking about. Um, and, uh, you know, in the article, we mentioned, you know, that that one particular contract, I, I'm actually forgetting the numbers right now, but it is a significantly large contract. There are lobbying interests that make sure that our legislators at the state level, you know, continue to support this construct um, to make sure they continue to support, they continue to get those very lucrative contracts. Um, so we have to really kind of dismantle the system and the incentives around propping up this test tool, which we know is inadequate. Yeah, and talk a little bit about how test results have been used to actually close dozens of schools in mostly low-income communities and how that has impacted the communities. Yeah, it's a, such a great question. And honestly, you know, one of the one of the many indicators of what a failure um, this, this is on so many levels, right? Used to close schools, but certainly not used as a, it's not a solution by any stretch of the, uh, any stretch of the imagination. And so, yeah, so for many years, um, school performance was singularly based on, you know, an aggregate of, of what these test scores were. And we know children 
and educators, right? Our school communities faced with so many different uh, variables, right? How a child performs on a test is a is accumulation of so many different social factors, right? If if you're hungry, you don't you don't perform well on a particular thing. If you're if you have things going on, if you can't concentrate, if you're an audio learner and they give you a book to read, you know you're not going to perform as well. So, school closures have been um, determined by these tests. At one point, teacher performances were were connected to performance on tests, right? When we had teachers really pushing back and saying, you know, how is this possible? So we have tried to link these tests to all kinds of things. And, you know, it's part it's part of the 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 design of how, you know, it, it maintains its positional power, right? If we connect it systemically, then it becomes harder to disentangle. So we keep trying to recreate spaces to connect this test to really just keep it going. Uh, but many schools have been closed. Teachers, you know, have, have had real challenges um, around, you know, what they know, you know, the fight between wanting a child to, um I actually a principal was recently saying, you know, the tests do nothing like they tell us nothing about a child. We want child children to demonstrate their voice and their agency and and their creative thinking skills. And the test does nothing in that regard. Um, And so I guess I guess I answered a little bigger than just uh, just the schools and, and just the teachers, but it really has negatively impacted kind of every dimension of learning. Right. And is, is it fair to say that um, many of our, uh, you know, elected officials, mayors in particular, have uh, sort of used the testing process as a way to dodge their own accountability for, for uh, underfunding and under supporting public schools and, and, and uh, you know, wield these tests uh, against the schools that they themselves uh, have abandoned? Yeah, you know, I think this rise of tests really came, you know, was part of this privatization, corporate America move that we've seen over the decades, right, where everything can, it can be developed or tracked in some kind of matrix out in some weird objective universe. And we know it's totally incorrect, right? We're humans, and um, human learning and competency and creativity is not going to be captured in a matrix. Um, we can't apply these corporate, private, capitalist models, right, to everything. So we did see this increase and in resurgence under the Bloomberg administration uh, to, like, really dig deep in this kind of corporate model that just doesn't work at all. So what would, what would an alternative be? Yeah, so I think, you know, um, I think we have even at the high school level, we have a growing group, a small but growing group of schools that don't do the AP regents or those kind of standardized tests for that level. They do performance-based assessments, right? And it could be a project where um, young people demonstrate what they've learned throughout the year. How are they applying what they've learned? Um, and and, and, you know, they, they demonstrate all the different kind of facets of learning, right, that you want to see, like, what is the critical thinking looking like? What is the creativity um, of a child? So certainly 
measures that are more flexible, right, that really actually are more nuanced and connect with the capacities and competencies that are important for for young people to develop are done with more fluid instruments, not these kind of like, you know, A, B, and C, and and it's all clear in the answer. So, you know, projects, performance-based assessments, including assessments for teachers, right? Like how how are they engaging with students? What is important? How how is it important to meet the student where they are, right? To really bring some individualized teaching and skill building because every student is unique. And it's something we see in like, that's been talked about about schools in Finland where they don't take standardized tests. Um, And they, they pride themselves on actually meeting students where they are and trying to figure out, um, you know, how best to move young people or students along in their learning journey, as opposed to this kind of one, one square or one, one mode fits all. Right. It, it reminds me of the old saying, uh, uh, what can, what can be measured doesn't count and what counts can't be measured. Uh, yeah. yeah. And um, uh, before we have to go here in, in the next uh, minute or so, uh, what would you do if you you're running for city council? So if if you win uh, the city council seat out there in District 38 in, in Sunset Park, what would you do on city council to to address this? Yeah, so, so unfortunately, uh, uh, much of education policy is set at the state level. So a lot of the direct advocacy is really getting our state colleagues um, to really take a second look. Um, But however, at the city level, it will be really advocating for actually the education system. The New York City school system is very unclear around even a parent's right to opt in or opt out. I think we've seen actually a lot more children taking the test, even though they had to opt in because parents were unsure about what it means. So I would definitely advocate for much clearer guidance to parents, obviously in many languages, um, because that is a huge barrier for so many. You know, I would I would continue to push our system to be as creative and responsive to learning as absolutely possible, both in the curriculums that we set, right, and opening those up, making them culturally responsible, and de-emphasizing and hopefully taking away these tools that really do not serve our children or our system at all, or the teachers for that matter. All righty. We'll have to leave it there. But Alexa Aviles, a union mom, parent, advocate, democratic socialist running for city council. Uh, thank you so much for joining us on WBAI radio today. Your uh, article, we have, it's up on our feature box on independent.org right now for anybody who wants to, to read it. And it's also in our print edition. And thank you for joining us today on today's show. Well, thank you. And, you know, I have to thank all the teachers and the educators out there, the parents and the students, Um, you know, without them, we wouldn't be doing this work. So thank you for the opportunity to talk. It was really fun. I hope you have a great show. All right. Thank you so much.